of the Been There, Read That podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Batty. I want to begin by apologizing to my listening audience for such a long delay in between episodes. I'll give you a little bit of background on what's been taking place in my life. I don't want to dwell on too much, but had some exciting and some frustrating things happening recently. So uh, some of you may know my wife and I have been expecting a baby, a little girl, for a while and so in lieu of that we've been doing a little bit of remodel down in my basement I was working feverishly for a couple weeks trying to get that wrapped up as it turns out to no avail and as as we're working along through that right in the middle of it we were blessed with our little girl uh, Indy Wren was born weighing about eight pounds six ounces head full of hair a really happy baby and um, we welcomed her into the world on June 2nd at the same time, I was dealing with a kidney stone problems uh, for about a week, and the the night that my wife came home from the hospital officially, I went in the hospital that night and um, ended up having a surgery the following day, and I'm awaiting uh, another surgery here about a week or so. And so um, to say that life has been chaotic around here between remodeling baby uh in-laws visiting, my parents visiting, uh, kidney stone issues, uh, other health issues and stuff. It, it has been nuts around here lately. And um, a lot of things have had to be put on hold. Uh, several of the Bible studies I do on a weekly basis, I've had to put those on hold. But uh, slowly but surely, we're getting cranked back up and into the flow of things. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to get back on a regular, consistent basis of posting episodes of the podcast. One of the things I'm going to try to do moving forward with the podcast is start uh, on a fairly regular basis having some interviews with different individuals that read books with me and we're going to take like a book that we've read together and finished and have kind of a, a dialogue regarding that so that you can get not only my perspective on a book but also the opinions and views of, of another individual who's read along with it and some insights that they have garnered and can share with us that you know are beyond my my level of expertise or knowledge, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, today I thought, before we get cranking up into doing that type of thing, I was trying to decide where I wanted to go with today's episode. And what I've decided to do is do kind of like a highlight focus on one of my favorite authors. James E. Smith, if you've never heard that name, it's a name that you need to become familiar with. He is from a conservative Christian church background, so he would be like a cups-in-class Church of Christ guy with a piano or, or an organ or something like that. He believes in instrumental music, but that's about the only difference between him and a mainline Church of Christ. James E. Smith taught college at Florida Christian University for a period of about 40 years and has recently retired. And what he has done in the last couple of years is he's taken all of his class notes all the material that he has taught through over that 40-year teaching career and he's he's publishing he's self-publishing through lulu and you can get on lulu and you can find uh, most of what he's written on that website lulu.com 
You can buy it either in a paperback form, if that's what you like, or you can buy it digitally. Uh, digitally, it's cheaper. Usually, his books are only about like 4 or $5 a piece if you buy them digitally, whereas they can be like around typically probably $15, maybe upwards of 25 for some of his in paperback form. His, his pen is kind of a pen that does not run dry right now. And what I mean by that is about every month or so, I check back on Lulu to see... Has Smith published anything recently? And lo and behold, he's cranked out another two volumes. And I'm not, I'm not, not exaggerating at all. I went to my shelf before I did this podcast to see how many of his books I have, and I have right at 100 volumes that he has written. And one of the frustrating things, I guess, for me is that as I keep going back on Lulu and see some of the books he's published, he's taking some of the books that I already have, and he's republishing them, doing kind of like an an update or an edited edition of it. And so there's editions out there that I don't currently have, uh, but outside of those variation editions, I have most of everything that he has written, and I don't regret having purchased it. He is exceptionally good, in my opinion, on the Old Testament. His New Testament stuff is kind of weak. Now, one of the beneficial things about his New Testament stuff is he has read from good authors. So, like when you're reading in the Gospels, he's done Harmony of the Gospels, and he is borrowing heavily from J.W. McGarvey, I believe R.C. Foster, and um, uh, Harold Fowler, his commentary on Matthew. And so those are really good guys to be reading after. Uh, If you have those other guys, you're going to have basically what Smith has written. But anyway, he's he's okay on the New Testament. I'm I haven't been overly impressed with him there, but he's written I would say 75% of all his books deal with the Old Testament and in the Old Testament he is exceptional. I'll share a few reasons why I really like Smith. First of all, in my opinion he's easy to read. Now I say that I've recommended Smith to a few you know congregational teachers who have asked me about books or a particular book on the Old Testament and they've come back and they said Ah, Smith, he's kind of difficult to read. And when they tell me that, I'm kind of scratching my head because on a scale of 1 to 10, I would grade Smith, depending on which book you're talking about, anywhere from like a 4 to a 6. Not much beyond a 6. He doesn't write technical stuff. He, He tries to write in layman's terms. That's one of the reasons I like recommending him to people. And I feel like he's a very good and enjoyable writer. He has a, a style, he has a organization technique about him that once you've read two or three of his books, you've caught on to it and you start to get in the James Smith rhythm of things, if you will. Smith kind of first burst onto the scene with uh, two, two sets. Uh, he did a five-volume set that is a survey of the Old Testament that was published by College Press. You can still buy those. Uh, you can pay $35 a volume from College Press to get them brand new, or you can get on Amazon or on my website at christianresearcher.com, and you can get used copies for anywhere from about a 10 to $20 a volume. Typically, I try to build a set and sell a set for $100, uh, so that you're looking at $20 a volume. It's a much better price than spending 35 bucks a volume, but anyway, do as you feel. And If I were going to recommend one commentary set on the Old Testament, that's the one I would recommend. Now, it is a survey of the Old Testament. What that means is it doesn't go verse by verse and tell you all the details of every single verse in the Old Testament. It's taking uh, little snippets, uh, (coughs) I say verses at a time, little sections at a time, and it's telling the story of the Old Testament. It's giving you more of the big picture view, but 
a big picture view with a significant amount of detail. And if you would buy that one set and you read the entirety of his five volume set, you would benefit greatly from what he has put forward. One of the downsides about his writing, if I can put it that way, is he doesn't st- uh, stress structure a lot as he goes through different books. And that is one thing that I really like when you're studying the Bible. I think that's really important. It's helpful to me so that I can go back in my Bible and I can I can give an outline of the book in structure format or I can note uh, watershed events or segue moments within the book. And he doesn't do a whole lot of that, but he is good at teaching the general message of the books of the Old Testament. He is a full inspiration of Scripture guy. In fact, he's written some of the best material on how Christians should view the Old Testament. Uh, That's, in my opinion, he's written a book recently called A Christian View of the Old Testament that's very helpful and is showing how to use it as a big picture to prepare for the arrival of the New Testament and understand a lot of things that we have going on in the New Testament. So, Back to what I was saying about the survey of the Old Testament commentary set. If you don't have that set, you ought to get that. And you ought to utilize that and start working on some sermons, especially for our teachers, to teach on a congregational level out of the Old Testament. You will greatly benefit from that. Now, after you have dealt with that survey series and you want to focus in on a specific book, he has written individual commentaries on each of the books of the Old Testament. Some of those are going to be better than others, uh, but he is... He's a guy that I always turn to, and I'm always going to check his opinion or get some, you know, get a solid foundation, a safe, secure, solid foundation of where to go on studying things. <coughs> a couple of my favorite books that he's written, uh, commentaries he's written on the Old Testament, would include a book called Biblical Protology, which is a study of the first things of the Bible. It deals with Genesis chapter 1 through 11, so from the time of creation up through Babel and getting ready for, right before God appears to Abraham and gives his blessings to Abraham. But the biblical protology, is, it's a rather large book. It's a little over 500 pages. It took a group of young guys through it a couple years back. It took us, I don't know, about four months, I think, to get through it. But really fascinating read. Uh, shows how foundational and crucial those first 11 chapters are to understanding the whole outlay, outlay of the rest of the Bible. Um, one of the disappointing things, I guess a little bit in there, he never took a solid stance on like uh, the day-age theory. Uh, I felt like he was being honest and he was saying, I don't have a strong position right now. I, I, I'm having some difficulties going both ways. I wish he'd been a little bit more straightforward on some of the, that type of stuff. But in general, I thought he did a really good job. Uh, his commentary on First and Second Samuel... Isaiah, Ezekiel, uh, Daniel, those are really good commentaries. One caveat I would give to the Daniel commentary is that when you're talking about the the kingdoms that appear in Daniel's vision in Daniel 2, he views the Medes and the Persians as two separate kingdoms. That's a fairly common view I'm discovering, but I think that's a problematic position because you wind up with the last kingdom being the Grecian Empire rather than the Roman Empire, and in, in the days of the Roman Empire that the church is established. Anyway, that's a little bit of a side tangent, but something to be aware of. Um, if you're going to study prophecy in the Old Testament, really good guy to turn to, because not only is he good with prophecy in general, but he's also good with Messianic prophecy. And having said that, he wrote a book specifically on Messianic prophecy. Originally, uh, it's called What the Bible Teaches About the Promised Messiah. 
That's, I think, the original title that was given, sometimes just published as the Promised Messiah. Originally, it dealt with 73 different prophecies in the Messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. These are specifically, or exclusively, I should say, prophecies concerning Jesus or the Messiah. He avoided prophecies dealing with the kingdom. I'll talk more about that in a moment. Recently, on Lulu, he's given an updated edition of this. He's published it in two volumes. And again, you can get this digitally really cheap, or you can buy the two volumes. And he's dealing with something like um, 87, or I'm not sure the exact number, but he's, he's added about a dozen extra Messianic prophecies from the Old Testament that he's dealing with. One of the, the greatest blessings of the promised Messiah is the intro. And the intro is pretty long. I, if I recall right, it's about 60 pages. But he gives a lot of groundwork of hermeneutic Bible interpretation type things to keep in mind. He does a really good job explaining why we do not believe or should not believe in dual fulfillment of prophecy. That's really helpful in a common area of problem that you will encounter in a number of different commentaries. Um, he Again, he has a high view of inspiration, and even in difficult passages, he's attempting to give you a straightforward answer, and he leans heavily on the New Testament interpretation of the Old Testament, which is really helpful. When a New Testament writer, such as Matthew, in Matthew chapter 1, 2, or 3, tells you that this is what the Old Testament passage means, that's what it means. And sometimes, I think maybe... Smith misses the point, a little bit of a messianic prophecy, but it's with good intention, and overall, he is uh, he does a really good job in that book. Uh, I know Brother Adam Warren, a good buddy of mine in the Tulsa area, he went through and basically taught uh, all of the prophecies that Smith deals with in his book, and probably a few more on kind of a Wednesday night basis, and it's a really helpful and beneficial study to him personally, I'm sure, the congregation as well. Now, I said in The Promised Messiah, he intentionally does not deal with prophecies concerning the kingdom. Uh, he wrote a follow-up book called Exploring Mount Zion, where he deals with uh, kingdom prophecies in the Old Testament. And so, if you take The Promised Messiah and Exploring Mount Zion, you have a really good pairing of books that deals with prophecy concerning the Messiah and his kingdom coming in fulfillment in the New Testament. I think those are just two critical books that you ought to have in your library if you're a congregational teacher, Bible student in general. Share with you a couple other books that he's written that I think are worth purchasing. I, I realize not everybody can go out and buy a hundred different books from the same author. Maybe you need to diversify your library a little bit more. But anyway, here's a few of his books that he's written that I think are must-reads, and then I'll give you one to avoid as well. So we'll start off. He's written a book called Introduction to Biblical Studies. Really good book. He deals with how we got the Bible, the process, a little bit of Bible translation and manuscripts, things of that nature. And then he breaks the Bible into different periods of time. Really outstanding material that is basic information every single Bible student should learn. If somebody was going to ask me what's your top five books to recommend to someone who's just getting started reading the Bible and trying to study the Bible, Introduction to Biblical Studies would be in that top five, if not number one or number two on my list. Phenomenal book. I've used it a number of times. Highly, highly, highly recommend Introduction to Biblical Studies. A second volume that he's come out with recently that would pair very nicely with that is called Bible Survey. 
He's just giving you a survey of all the different books of the Bible so that you can build the big picture view. When you pair that with understanding the different periods of time from introduction to biblical studies, outstanding resource material. I really wish every single one of our families, uh, of our congregational teachers, would take both Introduction to Biblical Studies and Biblical Survey and read them cover to cover and begin utilizing that material in their daily studies, their daily teaching, everything. This is crucial ground-laying material for studying the Bible. He's given a couple other books that are kind of topical books that I think are very helpful. He's given a book called A Christian View of the Old Testament that I mentioned earlier, and a book on biblical typology. It's important that we get back to studying the Old Testament because the Old Testament, the Bible says, was written for our learning. It's not our authority anymore, for it has been nailed to the cross, Colossians 2 verse 14, but it is there for our learning, and there's so much that we can learn about God, his nature, about the scheme of redemption, about how salvation has always been by grace through faith, that God has always demanded obedience out of his children, and that does not negate grace, nor does it merit salvation. Understanding how to utilize the Old Testament and teaching it for the church today is a crucial concept that we need to spend more time on, in my opinion, developing that amongst our people, especially our congregational teachers. And so a Christian view of the Old Testament is very helpful in that. His book, Biblical Typology, I think is a really good read to introduce the concept of typology. There's a lot of fanciful writing on the topic of typology. A lot of guys are actually teaching allegorical teaching uh, rather than typological teaching in the Old Testament. That's a whole other subject. Maybe we'll talk about that sometime in a podcast episode. But I feel like he does a pretty conservative job of setting up some parameters and some some requirements of what's necessary in order for there to be actual type, anti-type typology taking place in the Bible how that's beneficial in your studies, how you can recognize it, how you can utilize that material in your teaching and building of your faith. A couple of the books he's written, a buddy of mine recently, Brother Brad Shockley, an evangelist out in Missouri, he called me recently and asked me for a recommendation on a good kind of introduction, moderate read on the topics of inspiration, revelation for a young guy. And when he he called me about that, I was kind of caught flat-footed. I couldn't think of a book. I've had my library boxed up in a closet as I'm doing this remodel down in my basement. And so I wasn't able to just go over my shelf and look at my shelf and be reminded of some of the books I've read along that topic. But as I was getting some Smith books out of my shelf today to to discuss in this episode, there was a book there I remember reading called Is There Any Word from the Lord? And that book is dealing with the concepts of inspiration and the process of revelation. Really good book. It's not the end-all book on inspiration, revelation. If you want something that gets into all the nitty-gritty details and the weeds, you might read uh, Inspiration and Authority, I think is what it's called, by B.B. Warfield. That's kind of considered one of the classics of all time on that subject. But Smith's book, Is There Any Word from the Lord?, is a really good read. Again, he writes in layman's terms. I think he makes it interesting. It's very helpful. And some critical material that, again, people need as a foundational teaching in their studies. Another book he wrote is called Biblical Prophetism, where he's dealing with the role of prophets, uh, how prophecy works in the Bible, and he he deals with some particular uh, interesting prophecies, such as the 
uh, Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, which reminds me, uh, in several of his books he's written on Matthew 24, and each time he writes on a subject, you would expect to just see kind of the same material written. Like, for instance, if, if I wrote a book, and I was going to deal with Matthew 24, and I dealt with it extensively in one book, and then I'm going to write another book, and it's going to deal with Matthew 24, I'm probably going to copy and paste some of what I've already written since I did write it. That's not plagiarism. I wrote it, and so I'm just going to use the material that I've already written. That's not really how Smith operates. Every time he writes on a passage, he writes on it new and afresh. And so he's written on Matthew 24 in about three or four different books, and when you read all four, each one contains material that the other one doesn't contain. Uh, some of that's helpful, some of it's not so helpful, but he is taking a fresh approach to it each time. And that's, that's an interesting nuance of who he is and how he writes. And um, so anyway, he does that. So if you have, for instance, his commentary on Daniel, and then you're going to deal with a few of the prophecies in the promised Messiah, don't think, well, since I've got Daniel, I've got the same material that he would be given in the promised Messiah. That's not true. He's going to have different material each time. One other book, kind of a topical book, outside of his commentaries that I would recommend, is called Which Books Belong in the Bible? A lot of times people ask me questions about canonization. How did how was the canon, both Old Testament and New Testament, formed? Why aren't the apocryphal books included in the general canon as is, it is included in the Catholic canon? Um, did the Bible come together? Was it written by the Catholic Church, or was the canon recognized before the Catholic Church came along? All those types of questions are answered in which books belong in the Bible. Again, he's coming from a full inspiration, layman type of terms. I think he writes on this subject in an interesting way, and it's one of the more helpful, safe reads that I can recommend to people along those lines. I like Smith, obviously. He's written on a number of different topics. He's written commentaries on every book of the Bible. His stuff on the Old Testament is really good. But he has one book that is not a good book. And I want to put this out there right now. It's called God's Law, Our Compass. And he's dealing with the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. And he is taking in some ways, a covenant theology position. So he recognizes on one hand that we live under the New Testament, but at the same time he is trying to pull the Ten Commandments over and make them somewhat binding today. He wouldn't state it in those exact terms, but that's what he's doing. It's a very confusing, convoluted book that is, in my opinion, dangerous. Um, not a good book. I don't recall that type of stuff coming up very much when I've read his commentaries on the Old Testament, but in that one particular book, I don't know if he was just grappling with some specific nuances or trying to go deeper down the rabbit hole than when he's gone before or whatnot, but anyway, God's Law or Compass is the one book out of everything that he's written that I would disagree with. Um, he's written a commentary on the book of Revelation that's decent, as I understand. I haven't read it. My father's read it. Uh, one of the things that would be off-turning, off-setting to some of our folks, he believes in a personal antichrist at the end of time, and so that's something to just kind of have a heads-up and awareness of as you enter into that book, though, generally speaking, he takes uh, the correct approach to the book. So, I say all that to say, if you haven't got or are not familiar with James E. Smith, you need to get familiar with him. And you can start with some of these books that I've recommended, you ought to get his five-volume survey series. You ought to get Introduction to Biblical Studies, his Biblical Survey, The Promised Messiah, Exploring Mount Zion, 
Christian view of the Old Testament. Is there any word from the Lord? Which books belong in the Bible? Biblical typology, biblical prophetism. There's about, I don't know, 12, 15 books right there that would make a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful addition to any library. And regardless of one's background in the Bible, if you're a newbie and have no background with the Bible, these would be very helpful books for you. If you've been in the church for quite a while and are fairly well read and say, you will still enjoy reading these and you will learn something. I always learn something when I pick up Smith. Uh, he is not the end all. I think you need to read other guys too, but he is a very good, safe, foundational type of start reading and a really good place to start building your library. If you're wanting to purchase some books for some young guys to give them some encouragement or help them study, or you're looking for some for your children or for your husband or for anybody, Smith's books would be excellent books. You can find a number of them on our website for sale at christianresearcher.com. Uh, we try to offer them at the cost or a little bit under the cost of Lulu. And if you can't find them on our website, you can always find them on lulu.com. But check it out and be sure to start utilizing some of that material and gain an interest and an understanding foundation in the Old Testament in particular. I hope this podcast has been helpful to you and been interesting. It's good to be back with you to kind of get back up on the bump, as they say, and hopefully we can get back to a more consistent airing of our podcast. Looking forward to having some brethren on with me soon. Uh, just kind of a little teaser, Brother Jamie Thompson, who is my brother-in-law, the Australian from down under, living in Texas now, is he's agreed to come on the podcast with me and discuss a commentary on the book of Genesis that we've recently read together. So that's something that you can expect Hopefully in the next couple of weeks we can get that ironed out and working. Hope you're having a great week. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, do so. You can sign up at Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, and other places where podcasts are available. Share with your friends, and be sure to check back in with us shortly. Hope to hear from you soon. Give us a, a shout at christianresearcher at gmail.com. If you have any questions, suggestions, recommendations, we'd love to hear from you and try to utilize some of that material. Thanks, God bless, have a great day. Better is our sacrifice He paid the, he paid the price, the price He paid it all upon the cross No longer bound by sin or with the eternal loss He took my sin and washed it away when I was immersed in that watery grave, I heard that gospel call because he paid it all.